Welcome to Taking Back Birth, a podcast for women who know the truth about birth and those who want to explore the path of radical birth love. I'm your host, Marin Green. Taking Back Birth celebrates the power you have to make decisions in alignment with your own truth. Decisions not subject to anyone else's authority. Decisions that create experiences that will change your life. Taking Back Birth is a production of the Indie Birth Private Contract Association and IndieBirth.org. No material on this podcast should be considered medical advice. Birth is not a medical event. Welcome to the podcast today. It's been quite a while. And I've had a fair amount of procrastinating this morning before getting to this podcast for a variety of reasons that I'm sure I will share. There's been weed whacking, weed whacking by the neighbor for what feels like hours now, provided a very convenient excuse initially. Uh, Now I realize that you can't even hear it, so I'm going to go ahead and not use that as an excuse to not share some of my heart some truth today that really feels like a ceremony of sorts for me. So thank you. Thank you for being here. Thank you for witnessing whatever comes out today. It's definitely for me, but it's also for the collective in the ways that storytelling is so powerful the ways in which when we tell our own stories, it does shift something often in other people. And there's obviously the huge shift and healing we can get from storytelling that is grounded in love, which is my intention. My other intention in sharing today is not to change the past, but to go towards something new and beautiful for myself and for anybody that's listening that feels like in whatever weird ways this story hits home, whether it's your path to midwifery and really having some raw truth shed on this path that we walk. As my mentor shared with me this week. Uh, She knows the story I'm about to share with you in all of its ways and parts. And she said, it is not a happy story. It is not a fun story, but it is a true story. And again, I think that will all be revealed here today. So I'm not going to uh, procrastinate myself any longer with any personal updates Those will come in time. There's really not too much to report. I really want to just get to this today because it's been a long time on my heart. (sighs) And so I'm just grounding myself in here, feeling my own feet on my own floor, um, recognizing that I'm in a safe place. I'm in my very beautiful room here in Hawaii. It's a beautiful, gorgeous day out. I have my protective animal with me in the room and there is no harm to come in telling the truth even when it's painful even when it's taken many many months to do so 
I'm calling this podcast When the Midwife is Blamed, uh, because that does sum up the story. And I hope you'll hear that that's not meant in a light of being victim to the story. Um, I certainly did feel that way in many moments, and I ebbed and flowed with those feelings. But I purposely waited, and I am giving myself a pat on the back here for taking time, for taking the time I needed to process a very difficult experience, um, for being honest about it in the ways that I could share, for reaching out for help when I needed it. Um, To all my dear close friends out there that know me personally that have been walking beside me, it's really not been lost on me what sister support can look like when things are really gross and yucky. Uh, And so I'm proud of myself for taking this time and not rushing myself into sharing anything I wasn't ready to share and waiting until just the right moment. And I want to share with you why I think this is just the right moment It really, really, truly is. And again, I'm grateful for the support I've received and the encouragement to just tell it in the ways that I can that feel right and to know when that time would be. So why now, you might be asking. Um, I'm going to share the story, but I'm not going to share the story So I guess I'll start there and then I'll share why I'm doing this now. Um, But I'm not going to share someone's birth story because I don't feel right about that. Uh, I am going to weave together a couple of stories uh, a couple of times when I have been quote unquote (laughs) blamed. Um, It hasn't all been roses, you know, the 15 years almost that I've been a home birth midwife. And I don't think I've ever shared those stories for this reason. Uh, There's a lot of feelings around them. And I think I'll get into uh, the shame and blame that midwives can take on when birth doesn't go perfectly. So just to be clear, once again, and I might say it a third time, uh, this is not anyone's story. Nobody could or should be able to pick themselves out here because I am blending several stories together. So the story doesn't exist actually, it's a figment of my imagination. However, the details remain particular to a bunch of stories. Um, So I just want that to be clear, because that was something I was really struggling with, you know, how do I share my side of the story? When there is a woman that gave birth, right, there is a family. uh, And we're not on terms where I would ask, in a nice way or any kind of way, hey, can I share this? So I don't feel right, even though these are not people that um, I enjoyed. (laughs) And, you know, I wouldn't say I like them even. It's not important whether or not I like someone. I still believe that birth is a sacred event and initiation. And so I will weave together the stories to make a fictional story that I think proves uh, the lessons that I have come here to share today. So why now? Um, This is an excerpt from a newsletter I receive, Metaphysical Maven. Side note, I love her Instagram account. So giving credit to her here, if you are on Instagram, you might choose to follow her for her astrological insights. But this came into my inbox just a couple days ago around this full moon in Aries. 
which is another reason. Um, but I'll read it to you. And, and this definitely played a part as a sign in the time being now. Chiron guides us to find the power in our wounds rather than wallow in the past and its subsequent waves of sorrow. While this is all part of the collective grieving and healing process, Chiron teaches us that new power and wisdom can rise from our not-so-pleasant past traumas. Rather than spiritually bypassing those wounds, Chiron wants us to wear them as a badge of honor on the beautiful fabric that is our life so far. You'll feel this energy encouraging you during the Aries full moon. It's as if the sorrows of the past no longer consume you, but rather serve you now. You're being invited to come away anew and fortified instead of paralyzed by fear like times before. Holy moly, that hit home. And it, again, was definitely part of this looking for signs, looking for direction when I thought this week that it might be time to put together this podcast. I also chose a card from one of my decks uh, and the card essentially, essentially said, let go of shame. And if you choose to express this seed, it will become a light for others. So that was another uh, ray of encouragement from the universe to encourage me to share here with you today. I also asked our newsletter list. So if you're on there, you may have gotten my newsletter this week. If you didn't, it's probably in your spam. But anyways, the letter was just honest. It said, hey, community, um, I'm feeling really raw and open about this last birth experience I had. What are your thoughts? Like, is hearing the midwife's story helpful? Does anybody want to hear her story? Like, we know the birth story is the most important story in a sense. And that's the way it should be. But yet, everybody that attends a birth, even if they're not the midwife, they have their own perspective, they have their own experience on the story. And so I was sort of, uh, you know, crowdsourcing there, just seeing what people would think. And I don't know, I probably got 25 emails back. And I think 22 of them said, yes, please. I love learning from you. I'd love to hear the midwife story. And then a couple of them said, this is for peer review only. And guess what? They were all from midwives. And some were sort of short, uh, you know, in attitude, like this is for peer review, end of, end of sentence, end of email. And then a couple of them were more compassionate. And I had a few exchanges with what I assume are elder midwives or, or midwives of some variety, uh, just kind of going back and forth also because I was curious. So some of the other responses, and again, they were only from midwives, um, with the exception of one woman, one friend of mine, actually, that was like, actually, uh, I wouldn't like to hear, you know, my, my birth story told and I get that. And I think she's, she's valid and correct, although I would never use any identifying features anyway in a story. Um, but other than that, the responses that weren't yes, please were all for midwives. And again, some of the ones I had an exchange with, it came down to stuff I do want to talk about today. It came down to shame. Um, oh, don't tell those stories. You know, uh, home birth is already so fringe. Like, in other words, we can't share those openly. That's why we have peer review. And I'm not going to go down the peer review rabbit hole, but um, I don't necessarily think that's the be all and end all of midwives sharing. 
Although I did do that, I did have a safe space of other midwives to share the story with when it happened initially. And I did. And that was nice. But it didn't really provide me with any kind of um, new insight because it's like the choir preaching to the choir, right? And it was me. It wasn't them at all. I had just experienced this. So it wasn't as useful as working through it on my own in all of the ways I know to. So anyway, I think it's really interesting that the shame and the hiding and the guilt was what some midwives responded with, like, oh, we don't share those stories. We don't share those stories. That's just kind of like, you should know that you're a midwife. We don't share those stories. And truth be told, what do I have here? 200 podcasts. And I've never had a story about when the midwife is blamed for probably similar reasons. You know, it's like, uh, why shine a light on that? But I want to present this today. I want to present this without shame and blame. I want to present this with love and a hope for shift. Because there is not a midwife I know that has not been in this scenario where seemingly, uh, you know, connected clients, clients that we felt we had a relationship for, or with, turned. And if you haven't had that happen, and you're a midwife, um, good for you. Also, you probably haven't been doing it long enough, because I really don't know anyone. And, you know, I know midwives literally all over the world. And they're great, beautiful people. Some are licensed, some are not. That has nothing to do with it. Every midwife I know has a story like this in her back pocket. And again, it's not that maybe she hasn't shared with her peer group or, you know, in the ways that she's comfortable. I'm not debating how everybody else should share their stories or should have shared their stories. I'm just saying that there is shame around it, which is why midwives only share it with other midwives. Uh, It's really vulnerable to say to the universe, like I'm doing today, and to all of you listening, um, hey, people blamed me when their birth didn't turn out the way they wanted. And I don't know what will come of that. I expect only the greatest good and light will come of that because it's the truth. And people are allowed to feel that way. I mean, it's not ideal. It really makes you wonder what you're doing with your life at moments. It really makes you question your trust in people. I won't deny any of that. But at the end of the day, people are going to do what people are going to do. And so there also has to be some sort of non-attachment to the whole thing. And I think I'm working my way there to be like, yep, that was a story. And here I am telling it and I'm going to release it then because I am moving on with my work as whatever, a midwife, as someone that attends births. And this was absolutely necessary for me to grow. So it isn't really a birth story, even though I am going to piece together a story for you. Like I said, it's not anyone's story. I'm going to piece it together because I think stories help us remember the lessons. But truly, when I was reflecting on this and sharing it with my mentor, I realized this isn't a birth story. (laughs) This is a relationship story. So you'll hear in the birth story that it has points of interest, but it wasn't really the birth. It was the relationship that made this a story for me. And I think for me, that makes sense because the relationship has always been the most important part. And 
I've attended births, of course, that have been beautiful and wonderful. Um, I've also attended births that have been really hard. And in my experience, other than the couple of stories I'm weaving together for you today, I haven't had an overwhelming experience of being blamed. It's only happened a couple of times. And really weirdly, the stories are very similar. So that's where I also want to highlight what is to potentially be learned, because I don't think it's a coincidence, even though, like I said, it's not super common. And many families I've served um, over a long period of time, of course, you know, many people haven't had the birth they wanted. Many people have wound up going to the hospital for one reason or another. And it's never been a relationship issue. It's been, okay, well, that sucks. Um, We didn't really want that. But you know, you're our midwife. Thanks for helping us through, you know, and things end on good terms or go into the future on good terms. So again, it's not really a super common occurrence. Uh, in, in my line of work, you know, we all know that maybe in the medicalized world with malpractice and all of that, uh, that people are blamed more. I really can't speak to that. So I'm not going to, I don't know anything about that. I only know about the work that I've been doing. Also interesting when I crowdsourced our email list, I was getting some responses back that, like I said, said, yes, please tell the story. But then some people uh, proceeded to maybe give me more than I asked for and had some questions, you know, uh, did the baby die? Um, And, oh, you know, sounds like, you know, maybe there was a really bad outcome and uh, you were running from something. Like I've heard that a couple of times in coming to Hawaii, which is so interesting to me because I really wouldn't personally comment on anyone else's life. I have no idea why any of you do what you do or move to this house or change cities or homeschool your children or, you know, I have no idea why people do what they do. But I've heard that a couple of times. Um, Oh, you must have been running from something to be in Hawaii. And it's like, "Mm, actually, no, we were set to be here many, many months before this birth. But the universe did know. The universe did know that this hard lesson was going to come my way. And then the generous, beautiful universe provided me with a break in a really beautiful place. So there's nothing to hide, but it also brought forth this secondary idea that when babies die, which actually is not part of any of the stories that I'm about to tell you weave together or woven together, that somehow I should feel shame or blame. That's really heavy. And I won't lie. I feel that. And I want you to even sit with that, right? I want you to sit with that right now. You don't have to be a midwife. Just pretend you are for a minute. Um, If a baby were to choose not to live at birth or before birth or whatever, that you should feel shame, blame, or guilt. Do you feel that? And if you don't, great, keep it that way. But if you do, I want you to just, recognize that. Where does that come from? How do we collectively hold this even just as women? That if we were to be with another woman at her birth, if we were to be hired in particular, 
that if something were to happen to her baby, we should feel shame, blame, or guilt. I feel that. I feel that in tiny amounts, even though that was not the reality. So can you imagine how midwives actually feel when that happens? You know, they're not generally sharing these stories. And that might be for other reasons, like we were discussing, right? Privacy and whatever. But a lot of it is that we take over responsibility for this role, that we don't share the poor outcomes because we might be blamed. People might call us incompetent. People might call us uneducated. People might say it's because we're unlicensed, even though that's not always the case, right? People might say, we don't know what we're doing. We're reckless. We're dirty. And suddenly we're back in the witch hunt. We're back in the time when midwives were dirty, disgusting creatures uh, who had dirt under their nails that put spells on people and killed babies. And I know that's really harsh and really bold. And then part of me is laughing and sort of horrified that I said that. Um, But that's the reality. That's the reality. And that's, you know, even what my subconscious has carried as well, at times, at times, and it's when things don't go well, or when midwives are blamed, because in days gone past, let's not pretend that this is new either. In days gone by, perhaps as far back as biblical times, it was not unheard of for a midwife to be killed because a baby died. So we're not talking just modern day here. We're not talking about, you know, the hospital suing midwives, even though that shit happens too. We're talking about an ancient wound, which is why I'm bringing this forth. And I know that's a lot. So if you need to pause, pause the podcast, sit with that before we go on. Um, But that is not the story today. I'm simply bringing this in because rumors circulate. And again, when a rumor circulates involving a birth and a midwife, that's usually the assumption. So I want to be really, really honest about that, because that is something that needs to change. Babies will choose to come, and some babies will choose not to come, and that is not the responsibility of a midwife. That is the responsibility of parents, a mother and a father who create the baby and bring this baby here, and that is the responsibility of the soul of the baby looking to come. So it's not always something the parents can make happen, right? We all have our own trajectory as souls. So we have this holding of both in our hands at times. This knowing that the biggest picture is true, right? Souls will choose what they want. That's what I believe. I don't think we have control over another soul. And then the real life thought forms that we all live in, the programming. So there you have it. That's some raw, honest truth there for anybody that was curious. 
or you know, part of the rumor mill in any which way, um, there is nothing to hide. And if anything was being hid, it was me hiding from myself, hiding from the truth of what I'm here to do and being able to tell you this story today. Oh boy, deep breath. This is a big deal again for me just to get this out in a way that feels good. So let's start at the beginning. This story is not reflective of anyone's story. I've woven two to three stories together. And so you'll hear this made up version that has the same lessons as what I've been processing in real time. Love and kindness is my intention. It is not to blame anybody. Um, It's not really to villainize anybody. It's simply to share the midwife story when things don't go to plan, when the midwife is blamed. And the things we think and the things I thought and I felt and I saw that actually weren't really part of the birth story at all. It's things that only I saw. Let's put it that way. Beginning at the beginning, the husband of this woman, and I'm going to keep it singular, right? So this is a couple of stories, but I'm going to talk about it like it's one story. So starting at the beginning, the husband was the one to find me as a midwife. And he found me through a doctor friend. He was really, um, really intentional in the ways he could be that he didn't want someone licensed. And that will kind of play into the story in a sense. Uh, it sounds like there had been some other trauma. This woman, the wife, was a VBAC woman. So she was planning a vaginal birth after cesarean. And so obviously, with having had a cesarean in her past, they were looking for someone that wasn't part of the medical system. But funny, they came through someone that was in the medical system. So there was that conflict initially, which I should have paid more attention to. Uh, But anyway, this guy was the one to find me. He really wanted to be outside of the system. He didn't want to involve insurance. Pretty sure they didn't have insurance, and that's why. So that is also a red flag. Although, full transparent truth here, we don't have insurance as a family. We haven't for 20 years. So I'm not judging that. But sometimes when people aren't in the medical system with health insurance, they're looking for shortcuts, right? Because they don't want to get that potential bill from, say, the hospital, right, for $30,000 because they don't have insurance to pay it. So that was these people. They were um, intent on finding a midwife that could serve them outside of the uh, system because they were really traumatized by the hospital. This woman had also had a previous miscarriage. So after the cesarean, she had had a pregnancy that ended in miscarriage that she had handled herself at home. And from the sounds of it, sounded very powerful, sounded like she did a great job. 
But it was another example of how this man, this husband, really needed her to be at home. He really needed her to stay home for his own lack of financial reasons of lack and all of that kind of stuff. So I'm telling this now in hindsight, I hope you can learn from this, that I would definitely have some hesitations about being found in this way. So being located as a midwife, I don't love when the husbands are the ones to make that connection. Because again, to me, it is a woman to woman relationship. And I definitely wouldn't take any referrals ever again through a doctor, even if they were a friend. It is a conflict of interest. It doesn't make sense. If you have people that are engaged in that medical system with a doctor, uh, even someone that says they do home births, that is not who I work with. That is generally not who I work with. So I ignored some signs because I really liked the woman. I really, really liked her. I liked, um, you know, I just liked her. I liked her personality. I wanted to help her. And I could feel the vibe, the vibe of this fearful, overbearing husband. But I thought, you know, again, this is a woman to woman thing. Like, it'll be fine. And I really didn't recognize the possibly abusive situation she was in. And that's really something that you can only learn in hindsight. The clues seem to accumulate. So this woman was very soft-spoken. The man, the husband, was very in control, as I've illustrated, and she really didn't have a voice. So the prenatals were, if he was there, were very dominated by him and his experience. And she didn't really seem to have a voice in general, although she also was going along with it and didn't seem opposed. Uh, Again, I think another red flag, a woman needs to be able to speak for herself. So if a woman is in a position where she can't do that, won't do that, honestly, then that can create a very difficult situation for the midwife. In hindsight, I can see that I was hired to really protect this asset. And I mean that to sound a little bit callous in a sense, because in this situation, the woman, the baby in her uterus was more of an asset to this man. There didn't seem to be, you know, a partnership in bringing this baby in. And again, in hindsight, that's more clear to me. So we progressed through the pregnancy together. And at one point, I did try and release them from my care. Uh, They had signed a contract and some of the stipulations weren't being met. They hadn't paid on time. There was some back and forth about getting paid and getting a check and where was the check and this kind of thing. And I don't generally have a lot of patience for that. Uh, There were other non-compliance issues. And again, I attempted to release them from care. I can see in hindsight that there was definitely emotional manipulation on, once again, this man's part, uh, saying, oh, no, they would try, they would do this or that. Um, And me essentially feeling compassion for this woman, right, to be left alone, to have her midwife not be with her anymore. And I made that mistake. I made that mistake of continuing care, even though 
there were definitely issues. There were definitely red flags, Um, a huge red flag. And again, I hope people can learn from this is this family had very non-supportive family. So not not their immediate family circle, not just them. Um, but their their family, their their mother-in-law, there was a brother, like there were different family members involved who didn't seem supportive of home birth and who were somewhat invasive. They weren't very uh, supportive or seemingly that kind, especially to this woman. And when the time came for labor and birth, they were not very kind to the midwives. They weren't very uh, welcoming they had this energy of, I don't know, like us coming to uh, hurt someone or do something bad. You know, it was very, very strange. I haven't necessarily experienced that uh, really at all. And they were just super negative. So that was the premise in which the birth began. I hope you can hear and feel lots of conflict there. So lots of teachings there. Uh, the personality of the husband, um, the lack of being able to speak for herself of the woman. This would all come to manifest very poorly in the birth and afterbirth scenario. Labor began and a couple of hours into the labor and being there with this family, we discovered that the baby was in a breech position That was not what I palpated about a week before the birth. I palpated the baby to be head down, but you know, babies can do all kinds of things, uh, even in labor. And there's definitely the possibility that I was incorrect in pregnancy, but you know, surprise breaches do happen. And I've actually um, never experienced that until this birth. So uh, my stats are pretty good, but this baby at whatever point, for whatever reason, decided to turn butt down. And it was very apparent well before this baby was being born. So we knew, we double checked a vaginal exam, and it was yes, 100%, this baby is coming butt first. Um, What do you guys want to do? Here are the things that could happen. Um, You know, one thing to consider is, is something up with the baby, right? This family had chosen a 20-week ultrasound. So they had in their consciousness that there was nothing going on with this baby, that the baby was healthy and normal and well. And so we discussed that only briefly because it seemed that 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 was not an issue. And the family decided to stay home. Now, remember, the dad was really intent on a home birth for financial reasons. And the mother didn't really have a voice in this relationship, in her pregnancy. I see in hindsight that she also was not super connected to the baby for obvious reasons, I think. And so the hours before birth, uh, you know, again, the woman continued to labor Um, she was obviously given a choice. I have never, ever kept anyone home against their will. I would never do such a thing. However, there was also the honest informed choice that a hospital, and this is pretty much anywhere in the U.S. with a few exceptions, um, that the hospital would cut her open, that it would be a cesarean because 
they don't know how to uh, do vaginal breech birth in most places and at this hospital in particular. So to me, and again, maybe in hindsight, there are more lessons here about being even more explicit, perhaps having someone sign a consent form that says, we talked about this, uh, here is what I'm deciding. But this woman decided to stay home. In fact, the words that came out of her mouth were, this baby wants to be born at home. And so really, it was a pretty seamless breech birth labor. Um, my, my training, my education around breech is that it needs to be smooth. Needs to be smooth. The labor needs to progress. The baby needs to come down. And if there's any holdup, I would err on the side of being more conservative and probably recommend transport at that point. But this baby was really doing the work. The time of the entire labor was only about eight hours. And so we knew the baby was breached about six hours in, or no, two hours in. And then, you know, there were six more hours. So plenty of time to transport, plenty of time to change the mind. But the baby was coming, like all the signs were there. She was working hard, etc. So um, the baby started to be born as predicted. There's a but, uh, you know, just watching, just being mindful of the rotations. And the baby came to a standstill in the birth process once he was halfway out. I'm so super grateful for the training I've received. Um, thank you, Dr. Stu, in particular. Super grateful for the hands-on training that I needed in that moment. This baby did need help. There was not movement on the baby's part. Um, and I quickly, and you know, when I, when I kind of revisit this in my mind and, and talk with my student who was there, uh, I did get the baby out really quickly. I think it was 20 to 30 seconds. I had to get the arms out. So imagine, you know, baby comes butt first. The legs were born, but the arms were probably up behind the head. And that's why the baby wasn't moving. That's why the baby wasn't finishing the birth process. So I used my hands and I got the baby out really fast. I had to, you know, then get the head out with, it's called Frank's nudge. And that was that. However, the baby came out and was not responsive. Uh, the baby not only did not breathe, but made no efforts to breathe, was completely unresponsive. And the heart rate was very, very low, very concerning. So uh, we called for help right away. At the same time, we started full resuscitation. So I'm talking chest compressions. I'm talking, you know, not the relaxed thing that you've seen on videos from us, not a mom blowing air into her baby's mouth, although we did try that for a millisecond, but it was very clear to me that this baby was severely compromised. And so we moved right into using the Ambu bag and mask to having this baby on a, you know, a firm surface. Um, and we called for help. So everything that was done, could be done, was done. I know in hindsight as well that it was really one of those times where if I hadn't known resuscitation, if I hadn't had my helper, because you really do need two people, um, if I you know, hadn't been there, if someone hadn't been there that was skilled, 
uh, this baby definitely would not have made it because there was no effort at transitioning to life. And that's super rare, you guys. You know that, I hope. Uh, even the neonatal resuscitation statistics say that it's only 1%. And that's probably high for home births. So less than 1% of babies ever need chest compressions. It is super rare. Um, I would not say there were any signs during labor. The mom said the baby was moving during labor. The heart tones were appropriate for a breech baby in labor. Like there were no signs until there was help that was needed. So it was a very traumatic. It was very traumatic. The parents were traumatized. I was traumatized. I did not know if this baby was going to ever take a breath. Uh, the baby was transported. Obviously, I offered to go. Um, I was refused by the EMT staff who just wanted to take the baby away, uh, which again, highly traumatic for the mother. We did our best to try to keep them together. It's just not the way it goes sometimes in some settings with certain EMS people. So this was the best case scenario to get this baby help. And so we did. Now, here's where the, the trauma really starts. So everything I've told you thus far, again, is sort of a conglomeration story. And this end story is actually the same in all of the birth stories. So it's really an interesting thing. Um, but the baby, you know, was transported. The baby did need advanced help to stay alive. The baby did survive and is thriving, as far as I know, um, in all of these stories. But after the EMS people left, we were left in an empty house, as sometimes happens with a transport where you're not going along or not allowed to go along. And our job really is to clean up, right? And uh, just be in that for a moment. So my student and I were sitting there totally in shock. So, you know, my own nervous system really took a hit. Um, I was definitely in a freeze state. So I had, I had mobilized my resources to resuscitate this baby and to only focus on that and to breathe for this baby and to do chest compressions for many, many minutes. I was a machine. I was a robot. I wasn't even thinking. And this baby leaves and we're left in this house and we are just in freeze. Um, I can only speak for myself. But I couldn't feel anything, like emotionally, I didn't feel anything. I was just frozen. And my body was frozen. And even sitting here now retelling it, it's like, I have to breathe. And I have to remind myself, like, I'm in my room. This is fine. I'm here now. Um, it's definitely trauma. It was definitely traumatic and a trauma response. The worst thing that probably happened in this birth was a family member. So remember, I told you the family members were not supportive. Um, one of the family members came into the house because he had gotten word of this happening. And he proceeded to verbally abuse us, my student and I, shouting at us, shouting obscenities, throwing us out of the house, essentially, uh, which was shocking because I was already in shock and my brain was trying to compute what was happening. And I have never experienced this before, but he was blaming us in real time. He was, again, shouting obscenities. Um, in hindsight, I wish I had maybe called the cops because I think we were definitely in danger. I think we were actually physically in danger. 
But again, uh, I was so frozen that the best thing my nervous system knew how to do at that moment was to get the fuck out, to just grab my bag and leave the house. Um, And I, you know, later feelings started to come back and I sobbed all the way home and, you know, it was really, really difficult. But that was perhaps the worst part is to be accosted and abused um, emotionally and verbally by someone I didn't even know. So story goes on. And yes, take your own breaks with this. Press pause. um, Take a breath. Feel into your own body. Like this isn't meant to necessarily just be slammed at you. So take your own, um, take care of yourself as you're listening to this, please. Uh, But the parents went to the hospital, obviously. Um, The dad was angry from what I could tell with the mom for whatever, for, you know, making this happen, for racking up what would largely be a very uh, amazing, extensive bill at the hospital, because again, they had no insurance. And from that moment on, it ceased to be a relationship of any kind. So the dad, the husband, uh, took over all contact with me. So, um, you know, when we have someone go to the hospital, either we go, or if we don't as midwives, then we're in very close contact. So, you know, texting them right away. Are you guys there? What's happening? What's going on? I heard nothing. I heard nothing except from the dad many hours later that said, you know, the baby's okay. That was all. I never heard from this woman ever again. And I can hear my throat like blocking up here because this is highly emotional um, to have these relationships with a woman, any woman that I've served and to never hear from her again. So I have to this day never heard from this woman again. She was probably told she wasn't allowed to have contact with me by the husband. Um, She blocked me, you know, blocked my number on my phone, blocked me on apps, whatever. Never heard from her again. And the husband proceeded to 500% take over. uh, And in the days and weeks to follow, you can imagine he was very angry. He was very sure that this was all my fault, um, that I tried to kill their baby, that it's my fault. I didn't recognize the baby was breached in pregnancy, which again, may or may not even be true, um, that he had talked to all the doctors at the hospital. Now, this was a person that said they didn't want to be part of the medical system, but yet they did because that's where their beliefs actually were, um, unbeknownst to me in some ways. But he had talked to all the doctors and pediatricians and nurses and blah, 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 blah at the hospital. And everybody agreed that everybody knows when a baby is breached. And I was just a shitty midwife. I was just a horrible midwife that had no skill. Meanwhile, I don't think he even knows that I extracted his baby out, um, And without that, the baby definitely would not have lived if he was just hanging from his wife's body for, you know, X number of more minutes or hours, God forbid. So I don't think he even knows because he wasn't witness to that part of the birth. Um, I don't think he knows that I actually got the baby out and that without giving the baby chest compressions, the baby wouldn't be alive. But it doesn't really matter because he had this idea. He had this idea that a midwife is a paid slave that he was smarter than, and he was my authority. And again, I could have seen that. I wasn't supposed to see that in all of its transparency, but that's what actually happened. 
I gave way too much grace to this family and to this woman who I really liked, who I really wanted to see succeed. Um, but I couldn't and I and I would never again, to the best of my ability, get in between a couple that wasn't aligned and again was possibly so misaligned that there was abuse and such going on where this woman was not able to speak for herself. Uh, you know, perhaps she was upset with me too. I'm not saying she wasn't. I have no idea, actually. I have no idea, actually. And so I wasn't able to really say anything. Um, I'm not one to text, you know, a, a lifetime of messages. I felt like this needed to be dealt with in person. He wasn't willing to do that other than saying, hey, um, we need to return your birth pool at one point. And I said, you can keep it. Um, I really had some fears, honestly, about meeting him alone. And that was what he had proposed. Hey, I can meet you and give you back the pool. Um, No, thank you. I will not be meeting you. (laughs) Not without a bodyguard. But no, I don't even want my pool. Keep the pool. But I never heard anything more from them other than, like I said, some other texts and emails that was just 500% blame and all of the reasons why I was bad and wrong and how I had almost killed their baby. No mention of a woman choosing to stay home because that was irrelevant to him. I mean, this woman had no voice. So it's really silly of me to have thought that her words in labor had any meaning for him. They didn't. He didn't care. He didn't value her thoughts or opinions or feelings. So even though she said, I want to remain home, this baby's coming out at home, that has been disregarded. So, you know, when there's someone to blame and you're dealing with, um, you know, essentially uh, toxic masculinity, there is blame and there is always a woman that needs to take that on. Um, I'm not willing to. I'm not willing to take on that blame. I'm not ever saying that I'm perfect or, you know, I'm a perfect human being or um, there are things I could have said differently, perhaps. But ultimately, I honored their wishes. I honored their wishes and um, had her back, which I've learned isn't always the best place to have your um, loyalties, especially when guys like this are involved. So again, some nasty emails. Um, I didn't have too much to say back, except what came to me in the moment that felt right and true. I wouldn't accept any blame that the role of a midwife is not to ensure the birth. The role of a midwife is not actually to even ensure the life of the baby, that that is not my role, that that is the mother and father together. When they come together, they are putting their energies together, right? Egg and seed. And both need to be healthy. Both need to be healthy for the best outcome. And that a midwife is not responsible for what happens at conception. Now, he didn't really like that email. Um, He wrote me an even nastier one after that. And I just let it go. I had nothing more to say. This wasn't something I felt was arguable. Maybe it would be something that normal people who know how to communicate could have worked out in person, but it quickly became clear that wasn't ever going to happen. And that felt really, really bad as well. I don't think I've ever had, um, you know, other than these couple of families that I've kind of shoved together in the story, I don't generally have the experience of not providing really awesome postpartum care, especially for people that have experienced the hospital. 
I myself had an unexpected hospital birth. So I know how important that contact is. I know how important it is to process the birth story for both the mother, both the father, right? Like I was willing and able to do that even in the midst of my own trauma, but I wasn't given that opportunity and I wasn't going to beg. Um, They were really, really abusive or he was, he was really abusive towards me. And I really marvel at how you could possibly treat another human like such garbage, especially one that you had seemingly built a relationship with. Um, And at the very end, someone that did actually help preserve the life of your baby. I'm not saying it was all me. Obviously, there's a divine spirit. There's a God that wanted this baby to be here. But in that scenario, um, I was somebody that helped facilitate that. So it was a really, 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 really icky situation. Um, It's really sad to me that I wasn't able to do anything. I wasn't able to have the hard conversations as, you know, as yucky as those might have been. (sighs) But that's the way it went. That's the way it went. And those are some of the lessons. I do have a, a list of other lessons here. If anybody out there is still listening, again, you might want to take a break. Um, The worst part for me was definitely the uh, cutting of contact with the woman that I had cared about so much. Uh, It was really hard to not know how she was, how the baby was, how her postpartum was. And yeah, to have this cloud, perhaps over her own experience, right, that, you know, someone had wrecked her birth. Not that I would try to argue that I, I feel confident that that is not true. Um, Although, you know, I would have been interested, of course, to hear their experience and and what they thought happened. But that is not part of the divine plan, at least at this moment. So no shame. It doesn't mean midwives are perfect, but I don't know a midwife alive that would ever intentionally harm a family, a mother or a baby. I don't believe that. Uh, Yes, sometimes we can maybe make questionable choices. Um, You know, I know that skill is definitely a part of this. And I was really proud of my skill. That doesn't mean I'm the most skilled, right? Um, That doesn't mean that there are things that I would always be able to handle, but I felt blessed. I felt grace. I felt my hands knew what to do. I felt so lucky that I was able to help this baby, that I had what I needed, that I wasn't just watching it, wondering what to do. Um, So I don't have shame. I don't think there was anything in that regard I could have done differently. I feel very strongly that my role as a midwife is to hold the space. It is to witness. It is to respect the beliefs and wishes of the mother. And if I don't do that, then I'm a sellout to me. Like if I'm just going to call EMS on someone Or, you know, if the husband had said, I think we need to transfer, um, I would have still looked at the woman and said, what do you want? Right? I would have still said that, even though I knew he was overbearing, even though I knew he wasn't respectful of her. That's just what I do. That's just what we do as midwives. So I can't have shame around that. What kind of shame would that be if I felt like I should have overridden her wishes? Also, midwives are human. We actually have feelings. We are not robots. And this blame thing is really gross. There is a time for conversation. There is a time for um, discussion if people feel that way. 
and tell me, tell me why doctors are rarely blamed. Tell me why, you know, this really doesn't happen that often. Um, It's because we have entirely different views as a culture on who can do what. And again, I think there is really this programming that midwives are less than. And there isn't a lot of, um, there isn't a lot of like nobility sometimes in what we do. And I don't mean noble in that we're better than anyone, but we're awesome. Like the archetype of a midwife is necessary. Uh, This role is needed. So when midwives get treated like shit because people's births don't go the way they want, um, why are we not talking about this, right? It's very odd dynamic where we reflexively must take the blame. And I think we reflexively do take the blame when we're not able to speak about it. So um, I've heard doctors tell their stories pompously, literally the next day, right? So I've been very respectful here. I haven't told you anyone's story. I've combined stories. Um, Some of these details aren't even 100% accurate. But I've heard doctors just spout out their stories on social media the next day with little time to process or give respect to the family. And that baffles my mind. All I can say is perhaps their clients are fine with that or whatever. But I think there again is this idea of the hero. And just check yourself, right? Like I've had to do it as well uh, with friends that are doctors. Check yourself. Where are you still holding that somewhere in you Uh, Them having this piece of paper makes them more valid. Just check it because it's probably there in even the tiniest amounts. It has been for me even on this journey. So I want to really challenge that, but I don't want to be like that. I don't need to tell a story the next day. I don't need to, um, you know, talk about women in only labels as if she doesn't have a voice or a story of her own. I'm just simply highlighting how we still are majorly culturally oriented towards the medical model, even in the home birth world. So even home birth doctors are put on pedestals. They can do nothing wrong, even when they don't have a lot of experience, even when they don't have perfect outcomes. They tell the story in a different way. And I just want to shine a light on that. Whew some other thoughts. Um, This made me grow. It was really hard. It was very scary. I wasn't sure what these people would do. Um, They did do a charge back on all of the fees they had paid me. So I felt zero obligation to them at all. Um, They took all the money back that they could take. So midwives be warned that does happen. It can happen. I've never heard of that happening to a doctor. But that is what happened. And I'm here to be really uh, raw and open about that. That was really hurtful. And the only way I could make sense of that was that money is energy. And actually, I was happy for them to take their energy back. Um, I didn't need, you know, I don't need their money. I didn't need that poison in my life. So take it back. But that is a very rare thing to happen uh, to midwives as well. But it does happen. I'm sure I'm not the only one out there. So I learned a lot. I learned that my intuition is really great and strong and I should follow it. Um, This pushed me beyond my limits and beliefs. It made me question the role of a midwife. 
going forward, I'm not sure I would use this word. I think the word midwife attracts some people that still think you're there to save them. You're still there to make it or break it for them. And in changing that word, my thought is I might attract people that are a little bit more curious, a little bit more intentional. And midwifery is definitely a skill of mine. So I wouldn't avoid saying that. Um, But if I'm a spiritual birth guide, for example, which is a term I've been playing with, then midwifery is a skill set I have. I don't need to be a midwife because some people hire midwives. They think they are paid slaves and that we are just at their service and we can be treated however they want to treat us. Not that a totally different name would change that, but I do think a different role title would possibly um, attract people that really were wanting to understand what the true role of a midwife is. I wish in some ways there had been some kind of intermediary person to help with this shattered situation. I don't know who that would have been or how that would have worked out, but it felt very lonely. It felt very solitary to be, you know, just the midwife on the one side of this very sharp fence and to kind of have no go between. Like there was no one to talk with them. There was no one that could explain to them. There was no one to bridge that gap. And so in my imaginary world, um, right, this could have been made right. Like who wants to have such a traumatized thing happen and not repair? Like that is what our nervous systems want to do. Uh, We want to repair it. And I don't see that that is going to happen. So it has been right to not force anything, um, to not force myself through the process for all of these reasons, also has provoked me into studying the nervous system in great detail. Um, I will be uh, completing a certification program actually in somatic trauma training for this reason. I see in hindsight that these people in particular uh, had a lot of trauma that was not looked at, was not dealt with. Not that I was supposed to do that for them, but I could have been made more aware, I could have perhaps held space in a different way. Uh, If my own nervous system had been more balanced, I probably would have released these people as clients, I would have recognized the emotional manipulation, I would have recognized the fawning response in myself to make things right when I felt uncomfortable. And perhaps I would have been less traumatized had my nervous system been more balanced. But it's all good. It's led me to this journey now of wanting to do better for myself, to be able to help women and families more concretely with trauma, to be able to teach it to my children, you know, et cetera, et cetera. It's rippled out to be like, oh boy, midwives are traumatized all the time. And I know that sounds big, and I don't mean that to sound like we're fragile, but we're in a trauma state a lot of the time in this work because. A, we don't have as much time or so we think to take care of our own needs when we're on call. Um, B or two, right? We're running from thing to thing. We have a birth. The next day we have another birth. Uh, Then we go to a postpartum. Like the lifestyle of a midwife as it stands, which is another thing I want to look at for myself, isn't really conducive to a healthy nervous system. And again, if I had had that in hindsight, I would have done things differently. I would have made different choices. 
and I wouldn't have been as wrecked. Like I was wrecked, you guys. And I know if you follow me, if you read social media, um, I, I hinted at it right away. I was completely wrecked. I was, I was really just decimated as a person, um, which, you know, on one hand, it's kind of crazy, right, that we allow ourselves, and I did, I allowed myself to be in that situation and to feel the way I did and to take on some of the shame and blame. Uh, But then also, it taught me so much. And it showed me where I'm strong. And it showed me where the other opinions of people actually can't matter. And just because we serve people, just because we have a heart for service, doesn't mean that we can be treated that way. It doesn't mean that we're wrong. It doesn't mean that, um, you know, it doesn't mean anything except we serve people and we do the best we can. So what would I say to these couple of women whose stories I've woven together? Um, I would say still, I see you and I love you. I love you at a deep level. I was grateful to walk with you in the time we had together. I was grateful to see a part of you that I'm not sure anyone else sees. I wish you the best in your partnerships. And perhaps one day there will be some sort of, um, you know, reuniting or not. There may not be. And that's fine. Uh, For me, this is really helping to tie this up. Um, to help me feel a little bit of completeness in telling the story and being able to go forward and sharing the lessons so those of you out there can also learn from them. And maybe not, if it's not something you feel you can learn from, just saying, wow, you know, that is a story and um, I have one like that. And lots of midwives, like I said, have come forward saying, oh yeah, like I know what you mean. I have one of those stories too. Other things I learned um, besides following your gut is there is no way to really know all of the energies and beliefs people carry, even when we're consulting our intuition. Sometimes the universe just has to teach us what it has to teach us. And it isn't really our job to change that because we've made the choice in working with the people. Um, And it's not our job to change them. So if we see somebody more clearly, if you see some of these like personality traits or paradigms or archetypes in people that you are serving, um, let this be a lesson, right? Maybe you'll say, oh my gosh, yes, like I need to choose differently. I need to choose me. I need to be wiser. I need to Um, not go forward in fear, right? I need to not care what people say. Like there's a lot of ways that we can all come together and be on the same page with how we interpret these sorts of situations. The universe is graceful though. I definitely learned that. Um, Like I said, all of the babies in these stories woven together are healthy and thriving and that was their choice. But I am also so grateful to not have had to deal with anything crazier than what I did. And I really, really am grateful, like truly. Going forward, again, I would avoid using the term midwife, not out of fear, but because of the role that is associated with it. Um, Paperwork will change in my world. Should I offer myself in this new role to women here on Oahu, the paperwork will definitely change uh, to just be 100% more clear about what my role is and what risks they are taking on 
by being pregnant, by having a baby at home. Um, those are not risks I can or would take on for anybody. Midwifery needs to be based on respect, dignity, and honor. Uh, my intention with this storytelling was to, yes, help myself to share the lessons, but also to remind myself and all of us that midwifery is a respectful way of life. It is not just a profession that even in the darkest hour, even with the most unfortunate situation, um, I'm not saying we should, you know, put the midwife on a pedestal and never hold her accountable or never ask questions. I'm saying there is inherent respect dignity and honor in this path we choose. And the people we work with must believe the same. Again, that doesn't mean we aren't human. That doesn't mean we're taking on any extra responsibility for life. It just means that we treat midwives as well with the compassion and respect that we do our best to treat all humans with. Uh, Once again, the role of the midwife is not to ensure the birth or health of the baby. Really, we do our best. I say to women, and I said it to these women, I can never know more than you know about what's going on in your body. There's not a way for that to be possible. So you must be connected. You must know when something is off. It is not my job to do more than I can do, which is to listen to hard tones, right? To ask you questions, to do a vaginal exam. There's only so much I can know. Another lesson, um, again, is to be attentive to men with uh, insidious intentions. I hate to be that way, but there are men out there like that. And I'm naive to it sometimes because I have a beautiful partnership. I wasn't exposed to men in my life that had other agendas um, as far as women go, but they are out there. And uh, many of you may know what I mean. So midwives, doulas, um, we are not the slaves for men who just want someone there to make it all okay for them. And because they don't want to deal with their own trauma and fears, that is not my business. And I will just be so much more attentive the next time this comes to uh, my awareness that I will not be the part of a family um, who has that uh, arrangement going on. Last but not least, it is hard to midwife without support. Um, I really wish I had had more support in the form of possibly another midwife. Um, The the friends I had locally that were supposedly collaborating with me on this birth were not available. And while that was perfect in the ways it needed to be, it did bring to my attention just how lonely most of us are as midwives, especially the ones that choose to work outside of the system. Um, you know, for obvious reasons, but it is a really lonely, hard road. And in the future, as I construct, you know, my new identity, my new way of doing this, I will go to greater trouble to feel supported by other women who understand and who want to hold space for beautiful births, where all kinds of magic happens. Wow, you guys, that was a lot. You'll have to sit with it if you feel led. Uh, Sit with some of the energies, some of the more difficult parts. Tell me if you learned anything. Tell me if you hear any familiar parts of the story. And just thank you for listening. I release this story into the world in my protective bubble of love and guidance. I know that my ancestors, I know that my angels, I know that all of my guides 
hold space for the release of this story for the highest good, for the highest good of all to be known and for love and light to bring us forward into the new earth where some of these lower vibrations of shame, of guilt, um, of accusations, where all of that can be left in the past for us all to collectively rise, whether we're midwives, we're doulas, we're women, to collectively move into the future of love and blessings. Thank you so much for listening. I wish you the best, lots of love and joy, health and happiness into this new month.